it's that time of the week. It's time for Chit Chat Across the Pond. This is episode number 641 for June 1st, 2020, and I'm your host, Allison Sheridan. This week, I'd like to welcome returning guest Rob Dunwood of the SMR Podcast. How are you doing today, Rob? I am doing absolutely wonderful, Allison. I appreciate you getting me back on the show again. All right. Always, always. So I want to set this up a little bit. Chit Chat Across the Pond is an interview show with people I find interesting, usually in and around tech or at least tech adjacent. Uh, But, you know, I sometimes color a little bit outside of those lines, like uh, the interviews I've done with Dr. Marianne Gary about memory. And those are some of the most popular. But today I'm going to color way outside of the lines. I've asked Rob Dunwood to come on the show to talk about what life is like as an African-American man in America. I want to set this up a little bit. Rob is a professional in the computer science field. He's well-to-do. He dresses better than any of my other friends. He wears real nice suits. He loves to wear soupy, fancy watches, and he drives a Cadillac Escalade. He's also, uh, wait, I didn't get this right, not a defensive linebacker. What is it you were? Defensive lineman. Defensive lineman. Okay. Yeah, I was de- played defensive, de- tackle? defensive tackle, defensive end. Mm-hmm. Okay. Since I obviously don't know the difference between those two. So anyway, he's a big dude, but he's currently down to a svelte uh, six foot four and 305 pounds. He has brown skin and a ready and welcoming smile and a fabulous laugh. So I want you to picture him in your, in your mind as, as we describe the scenarios uh, that are, that are going to, we're going to walk through here. And this conversation was, of course, inspired by the police cause death of Mr. George Floyd. Um, now, this is a conversation that Rob and Chris and Rod have been having on the SMR podcast for a long time. They, they do tech stuff, but they also talk about social issues and they've talked about what it's like to be black. And I wanted to bring some of this to my audience. So hopefully we can all gain more, more perspective. So with that set up, does that sound okay, Rob? You're going to, you, you're going to be all black men in America. Um, so it's, it's funny that you, that you leave me in with that because I, I read that and I'm like, wow, that's a lot of pressure. It's like 40 million of us. Um, so well, I would not speaks for all dare. of Ireland. So I figure, yeah. and, and sometimes all of Europe. So, yeah, I, I would not dare try to speak for everyone. Um, you know, African-Americans are by no stretch of the imagination, a monolith in the way that we think and stuff like that. And I promise you, you could ask three other people and you're going to get three other opinions on the things we're going to be talking about today. So what you're going to get is a, you know, what my life in America is like. And my gut tells me that there's probably a lot of other, um, you know, folks uh, that look like me that uh, experience similar things. Yeah. And, and, and I do think that that's part of the important bit. I, I'm, I'm being flipping a little bit talking, you know, speaking for all African-American men, but um, the commonality of the stories that I've started to hear is what's truly awful. You know, to be honest, it's, it's, it's not that, okay, this one guy had these weird experiences where you can say, oh, well, it's cause he did this or cause he looked like that. It's because it's happening to everybody. And, and I think that's kind of the angle that I was thinking about this in, and of course, making all kinds of assumptions about things I don't know anything about, but let's just start with something, a, a real simple question. How many times do you get pulled over by the police? So with the pandemic, I haven't been pulled over yet this year. That's a good um, year, huh? So uh, I think um, to me, I, I've made it to July before when we weren't in a pandemic. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I have I have not been pulled over one time this year. Last time I got pulled over was um, October, November of last year. But I, I would say now that I'm in my late 40s, it's two, three times a year. 
Um, there was eh, let's let's go. It's it's not three every year, but it's usually at least two or, you know, mm-hmm. or three. When I was younger in my 20s, it was probably like every 90 days. It was like, OK, and, you know, we're, we're into a new season. It must be time to get pulled over for absolutely no reason. Um, two, I, so have, two to three times I have a actually year gotten two speeding tickets. I've, you know, I've been driving since 1988. I've gotten two speeding tickets. So all those other pullovers were for nothing. Things like uh, making sure I knew where I was. Are you okay? Just just want to make sure this is your car, the car that I'm driving. <laughs> you know th- those type of things. I, but uh, yeah, um, when I first, you know, you mentioned that I have a uh, Cadillac Escalade. When I first got it, uh, it was the fir- the first one I got. We, we were definitely in that three to four times a year range of getting pulled over. So have and it usually was. Car. If you'd been driving some beater car, you think you wouldn't have been pulled over as much? Um, like, okay, that's appropriate for his race. He should be driving this terrible car instead of a good car. Um, it, it probably depends on on where you are. But, I, you know, apparently, and I'm being flippant, and, you know, when I say this, there's a real interest as to why someone like me is driving around an $80,000, $90,000 car. Because mm-hmm. I get asked that an awful lot. So I, I, I was talking to Chris about the, Chris Ashley uh, about this yesterday, and he described getting a new car, and it was a like a Mazda six two six or something like that when he was in his twenties. But it was a brand new car, and he was really excited about. It. He said he got pulled over four times that year because he was in a, a nice new car. You know, it wasn't a ninety thousand dollar car, but it was a it was a new car. I, I yeah, um, that yeah, that's that's not shocking to me me that is that that is you know in, in the other thing too chris like myself is a awfully large human being as well not as large as he used to be but mm-hmm. he is you know he's an awfully large human being so i don't know if we are just more menacing to police when we're doing absolutely nothing that they should be worried about but uh, uh it is it is not an exaggeration um, when, uh, you know, we say we get pulled over this often, it's like, I've, I've told people this before 10, 12 years ago, oh, you're just BSing. It's like, you're exaggerating and you don't really want to, you know, get into arguments with people about why would I make something like that up? Yeah. So you just don't really have the conversation. Um, but it, uh, you know, there, there is, uh, you know, like the, uh, I remember, uh, one time I got pulled over and this was, you know, this was probably two, three years ago. And the reason was because, um, one of my daughter's friends left her, um, backpack, um, um, you know, in her house, uh, she had a assignment in it that she needed for school. Her mother wasn't able to take it to her. Uh, because her mother was already on the road to a, a meeting. So she called me and asked if I could just go by, pick it up and drop it off to her. No problem. So she gave me the code to her garage. So I drive into, uh, you know, this, you know, some nice community I drive into a nice community. But once again, I'm, I'm in a 80 something thousand dollar car and pull up and go in. And before I can get out of the neighborhood, I'm being stopped by the police. They wanted to make sure I knew where I was going. Did I have any, did I have any questions? What was I doing in the neighborhood? Did I actually, like, cause I don't live in it. I'm adjacent to it. It's like one neighborhood over, but, but uh, you know, that why, one, why that one really got be? me because why? that was, because that wasn't just the police. That was somebody called the police on me to make sure that I was, uh, you know, not, not breaking into somebody's house that I literally went up and typed the code into the garage door to open up and get in. It's just, just open. Uh, 
Just why? And you, and you were putting something in there or taking something out? No. I, so, I, you know, uh, going <laughs> no, to the garage. No, here I am trying to think, why should you? No, no, that's the wrong no, question. I'm, you I'm should have every right to be there. No, I just pulled in the driveway, went, you know, typed in the garage uh, code, went in the house, got the backpack, came out the house, put the garage back down, got in my car, drove out. Within 90 seconds, I was pulled over. And like I said, that was the last time where I was, they all pissed me off, but I was like really mad at, at that point because that wasn't just the police profiling me. That was someone else profiling. Yeah. That, that was, that was someone that was a neighbor who, who's this black guy, um, in a space that they shouldn't be in. Right. Right. And that they knew that the cops would come that quickly. Mm-hmm. Just so happens that the sheriff, uh, one of their uh, depot stations, was literally in the neighborhood, so it took them no time to get to me. Hmm. How how do you how do you not be angry all the time? Um. So. I've had conversations with people before where we've talked about, like, you know, you hear this thing called the talk and the talk, at least in my experience, it's not like it's a, it's, you know, when I was 13 and I, you know, I'm coming of age, my dad sat me down and taught me about stuff. It was a constant, um, just state of being from the time I was born, um, until the time that started happening to me. Um, I don't, I know I've never said this on air. The first time I had a gun pointed at my head by a police officer. I was 11 years old. What? Um, now I am a, you know, when I was 11, I probably, I was bigger than many grown men at 11 years old. You know, I'm a big, tall guy, but, uh, yeah, it's my, myself, my mother and my newborn sister, um, you know, are in the car and, uh, we got pulled over because they were looking for someone. And my, you know, I, I will never forget my mother pleading with the officer. He's just a baby. He just turned 11 years old. He's not who you're looking for. Wait, and so what, was, what was the circumstance? I mean, how was, I don't, I don't understand. You guys were, were you walking, driving? We're in a car. You're in the car and they and pulled the police, car over and took you out. Police were looking for someone. And the description was, and, and like I said, I don't mean to sound flippant about this. But I have actually <laughs> I've actually heard of description, an African-American man between ages of 15 and 30, between five, seven and six, four. <laughs> That's probably 90 percent of us. Yeah. Yeah. Or more. It probably more, probably more like 95 percent. So, you know, there was no reason for my mom and I to have been pulled over. It was just, well, there's black people. Let's pull them over and check them out. And because I am a large person. And, you know, because it was dark, um, you know, when they were, you know, who do you have in the car? Just my children. And then they look at me. Well, who's that? And, you know, gun comes out because gun, she didn't acknowledge that. Out. Oh, my, you know, my 11 year old child looks like he's 20, you know, because of his because of his size. And it, it literally wasn't until they have the flashlight in my face. And um, they realize, oh, he, he really is just a kid. But I will never forget this. The officer said, well, you all look alike to me. Oh. So that, like you said, you didn't have to have the talk. You were living it at 11 years old. Um, th th that, that was the first time that I actually had a gun pointed at my head. The first time. So this. The first time. You've had guns pointed at your head again. Um, I have. And we talked about this on the show um, uh, last week. Um, you know, Chris and I, um, I will never forget this either. I was 22. Um, and was driving, got pulled over, 
Um, I can't even really remember what the reason was for because I didn't get a ticket or a warning or anything. You know, they ended up letting me go. Um, but I got pulled over. They asked to see my driver's license. And because the officer asked me for my driver's license, I went to my back pocket to reach for my driver's license. Next thing I know, his gun, his partner's gun and another. And I'm not even sure where the the second car came up, um, you know, when this happened. I had three guns pointed at my head because I was doing what they asked me to do. That was probably the last time I've ever driven with my wallet in my pocket. (laughs) I'm speechless. I, I, I just can't even imagine. They just asked you to get it. How did they think you were going to get your wallet other than getting it? I mean, where do men usually keep their wallets in their back pockets, right? Um, I'm not going to say most black men. Many black men do not. That 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 is something that you are. Um, I remember when I told that to my uh, I told that to my dad. And his first thought was, what have I told you about keeping your wallet in your, you know, in your pocket? Because that was something that I was taught not to do. So I don't want to say most black men, but I know that many black men um, do not do, you know, Chris Rod, they don't do it. And, you know, so you know, Chris and Rod knew each other as kids. I didn't meet them until we were all way grown. But, uh, uh, you know, this is something that a lot of black men just don't do because that could cause, you know, an issue. And we've now seen videos of police officers asking a black man for his identification, you comply and get shot. And, and literally the, the video I'm thinking of this happened at a gas station. And the guy asked me, why did you shoot me? Well, you were reaching for something. It's like, you told me to get my wallet. They, he's literally having a conversation with the officer who just shot him. Um, but that is not a uncommon story. It's just one that happened to be caught on video. I think that's one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you about this is, is, you know, seeing George Floyd murdered on video made it inescapably a fact, right? It it made it where you couldn't say anything to excuse what happened. Um, But the fact that you guys live with this all the time, that you have a fear of having your wallet in your back pocket. I mean, that's, I, I, you know, as a woman, my biggest fear is I wouldn't walk down a dark street at night by myself, you know, and I always thought, well, I've got it tough. <laughs> I don't expect to be shot when I'm doing what a police officer tells me to do. I mean, that I just can't even imagine that. Yeah. So, as I said, there was no individual talk. It was just an awareness of situation. You know, you have to know, you know, my, my, my father, my grandparents, my uncles, uh, you know, my grandfather's just to say my uncles, they all, you know, you have to know where you are. And for me, you know, like, I don't want to say especially, but like I said, I'm six, four defensive tackle. I'm bigger than almost every police officer that I'm ever going to encounter. Um, so they are already in their mind. If I have to wrestle with this guy it's not necessarily going to go well for me so let me make sure i'm prepared um yeah, okay but i i actually think you're making excuses here no you're i'm not making excuses i'm telling I'm, I'm trying to get into their head into into what they're thinking right right but that, um, that's valid if you stood up but you're sitting in your car driving down the road i don't know that you're six four i don't know you're big yeah. i know you're a guy in you know a car I'm black. And you have dark skin right that's you all know i know I'm black. Right, you know why? I mean, I could, I could definitely see if you stood up, 
you know, you're big. Uh, but I, this is not that, right? This is, this is their, it's before they even know they should be noticing how big you are. It's like, I try to figure out and try to rationalize it just so that you can like live and exist. Okay. Well, this was the reason. And then, you know, the blow up last week is just because it's like, man, it's like, you know, three in three months. Yeah. You know, when you start off with, uh, you know, um, what's a woman's name who was killed in her, in her own bed in in Louisville sleeping in her own bed. And it's like, you know, there's been times. Yeah. Eight times. They had a no knock warrant bust in the door. Um, her boyfriend legally has a firearm to use the firearm for times when people bust in your door. And so, you know, what are you expecting? And, you know, they initially charged him with attempted murder. Clearly, those charges now have been dropped. But uh, it's like, you know, there there used to be memes that went around um, about, uh, you know, things that black people couldn't do. It's like, oh, you can't barbecue in the park anymore. You can't sell water on your stoop anymore. Um, you know, you can't sleep in your own bed anymore. Um, Brianna Taylor, that was her name. Right. The, these things are not... Uh, you know, in, in a vacuum, the, these are things that happen all the time. What is happening now is that you are seeing them in video and with audio with high fidelity. Right. And, so you know and, what's being said. So like I said, my, my, my word of the year is cognitive dissonance because a lot of folks are now struggling with this and it usually goes two ways. It's like, oh, maybe there is an issue. Or, oh, and this is this is sadly more times than not what happens. Well, what was he doing? You know, there's something that you have to put into your mind to make you feel better about the situation you just saw. Well, he was doing something. Um, George Floyd, he must have been doing something that he got killed, you know, execution style on the street with some type of knee death grip. You know, he, well, you know, he, he did something to to force that to happen. And then, you know, you're reminded about, and, you know, because I talked about this, like Dylan Roof, he murdered nine people in a church. And the guy was taken to Burger King because he was hungry before he uh, was taken to the police station to get booked. Are you serious? Um, oh, yeah. I knew, um, I knew about George the murders, Floyd I... passed a bad $20 bill and he gets killed on the street. You know, and it's it's just, it's it's frustrating. So... So l- let me ask you, we've, we've been focusing on, on black men. Uh, do the women in your life, your African-American wife, sister, daughters, cousins, do they experience this? Oh, yeah. So they get pulled over um, all the time, too? Yeah, and it's like, you know, the first thing I think of, Sandra Bland, um, you know, who was mysteriously died somehow, um, you know, in the jail when she uh, you know, got locked up. And I think this is a few years back. But, you know, um, I don't I don't necessarily know that. Uh, you know, African-American women are being killed on video to the same extent. But, yeah, they the, yes, they they have issues. Uh, you know, this is this is not, you know, like I, said, I think it's uh, it's I don't want to say uniquely men, but it's mostly men that are actually being killed. But, yes, you still have issues with African-American women who have, you know, um, potential issues with the police. And I, I, I think I can't remember if you and I have talked about this before on air, but I've said this before. Um, that, you know, I I would imagine that a lot of parents, a lot of white parents, you teach your kids that, you know, if there's something going on, you see the police, you call the police and you call them over. That doesn't happen in my house. I have never once told my daughters to ever, um, if they felt unsafe to, to run over to a police officer, 
Because to me, that's not safe. To me, that is that could actually put you in more harm than dealing with whatever it was you were dealing with before. It's like if you see a fireman, if you see if you see a white woman, if you see if you see someone else. But no, don't invite the police officer into whatever it is that you're dealing with right now, because that could be that could be detrimental to your well-being. I, again, cannot even imagine that world that you wouldn't call the police. I, I remember an African-American employee of mine saying that around the time of the O.J. Simpson uh, debacle. I don't know what the murder that happened. And uh, I, I don't. Uh, and he said that he said that he would never call the police. And I, and I don't think I really believed him back then. I mean, I thought, ah, you're just weird. You know, it's a single data point here, but it's it's impossible to ignore this as being single data points. So let's say somebody breaks into your house and they steal so much that you actually have to file a police report to, uh, you know, in order for insurance to kick in. Mm hmm. That's when it's acceptable, but you're not dialing nine one one for that. You're dialing the regular number, and you want you you want someone who is not coming to a hot incident. Now, I don't want to, um, you know, Allison. I I need to tell you this that my experience with the police, even for an African American, maybe like so I I just I just don't trust them at all. Uh, you know, I've said this on multiple occasions. If you are a police officer and I don't know you outside of you being a police officer, I am in no way trying to deal with you at all ever. I, that is not the right way to be, but it's kept me alive for 48 years. Hmm. So um, that's kind of how I am. And, you know, I, and like I said, I don't want to pass that on, um, you know, to my children and, you know, and to my grandchildren when I have them. But, uh, you know, but that's my situation. But uh, as far as just dealing with the police on purpose, that doesn't exist in my community. Like I said, if, if you need to file a report in order for the insurance to kick in, like if you if you didn't just get, you know, robbed, somebody like really took a, a lot of stuff, they stole a car or something like that. You've got no choice but to deal with them. But, you know, window gets broken. Somebody breaks into your car and gets some stuff. And it's like, man, I'm just calling the insurance company. I'm not even dealing with a police report because I don't want to deal with the police. Yeah, just just I, don't I, I want like to. what you're saying about acknowledging how you feel and what your reaction to it is, not being able to change that and yet also not wanting to pass that on. Like, I know the way I'm feeling is is inappropriate, but I haven't ever been able to change that. But I still don't want to pass that on. So you're you live in Ohio, right? I do. On uh, CNN today, uh, John Kasich, who was governor of Ohio, I think. Uh, mm -hmm. at one time and Nina Turner, who I think is a representative. I'm not sure. Uh, she, she, she used to be a state representative and I believe that she uh, was a co-chair or chair of Bernie Sanders campaign or something like that. Okay. Well, they were on, um, uh, yeah, he's a Republican, she's a Democrat and, they, but they were on CNN and they were talking about after one of these murders and forgive me that I don't remember which one it was, in Ohio, where they got together and got a task force set up together to to go out into the community and find out what the what the pain was, and then a second task force to try to start fixing things. I don't know how long ago that was, but do you feel do you remember that? Do you feel that anything changed? I remember hearing something um, about that. No, I don't feel anything's changed. Um, sadly. I don't believe that um, maybe uh, the officer that had the knee on the neck, he 
you know, the, the, the temperature has changed in America. He might actually get a conviction, a, excuse me, a conviction. I can't imagine that the other three, they're, they're, you know, they may be charged, but I, I have no confidence that they're going to be convicted of anything. And, and, and that's the problem. It's like, you know, you've got to convince 12 people that uh, what they were doing was wrong. And I just don't have that that kind of faith in America that people are going to actually look at that and think that it was wrong. So, um, you know, I, I made a comment um, about uh, Amy, uh, what was her name? Amy Cooper, um, the incident in uh, in uh, Central, Central Park. Park. Tell, tell the, the incident because I didn't actually know about it. Okay, so yeah. So, um, uh, you know, a white woman um, named Amy Cooper was in Central Park um, in the, I think it is called the Bramble, um, which is like a bird watching area mm-hmm. where they have strict dog on a leash rules. There is a another gentleman. Um, who ha- his last name happens to be Cooper as well, African American, who um, sees that her dog is, you know, ru- you know, kind of running rampant in the park, and he simply just asks her to uh, put her dog on a leash. She goes ballistic at him when he asks her to do what the law mandates um, in this particular park, and she goes and says that I'm going to call the police and tell them that a black man is threatening me in Central Park. And then proceeds to do so, not once, not twice, but three times. That's and, threatening lethal force, essentially, isn't it? Um, and so what she is doing, and you know, we've talked about uh, like barbecue Becky, and you know, and and, and all of these, you know, different names for for you know for the white women that are calling the police on black people for just existing in America, but this one was different. This one was she wasn't afraid. She was trying to put fear into uh, the gentleman that asked her to put the dog on the leash and then proceeded to call the police, um, you know, on him and, uh, you know, and, and, and put this report out. Now, he didn't stick around for it, nor would I have. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, the Internet um, is undefeated in this kind of thing. They figured <laughs> out who she was and she has been, you know, dismissed from her job and um, and she's, you know. She, she's apologizing and she's, you know, she's not racist. That gets me. Um, it's like, if you murder somebody, are you not a murderer? Yeah. You know, if you do racist things, are you not a racist? So I have learned this a long time ago. I stopped calling people racist saying, you know, you're a racist because this is what, you know, calling a racist will do. It's going to shut down any conversation if there is any, because generally when you call someone that that's all they can hear, all they're going to do is fight you on why they're not a racist and they won't hear what you're saying. So when I've been in these conversations where I wanted to call someone a racist, I wouldn't say that you are a racist. I would say the thing that you did, you know, to me struck me as a racist act. Like when you mm-hmm. called me the N word, I'm not saying you're a racist. I just think that that was a racist thing that you did because there may be conversation. that can still be had after that as compared to um, it just being shut down because I am now, uh, you know, accusing you of being something that you don't feel that you are. But it's just it's funny to me. It's like, you know, the thing that you will always hear after these incidents of people doing ridiculously racist things is, well, I'm not a racist and I don't feel that way in my heart. And it's like, well, you know, wh- wh- why are you doing those things <laughs> yeah. on the street? Yeah. Why are you doing you know? it if you don't feel it that but, way? But yet, you know, um, Amy Cooper, she particularly bothered me because, you know, it was even more heinous than the people calling the police on somebody who was sitting in Starbucks. 
drinking right. coffee, waiting on someone that, you know, there's more heinous than the woman in the park who was like, you shouldn't be grilling here because those were in essence disputes. I, I believe that I am right. And I'm going to call the law on you because you're doing something that is illegal and I'm going to report you. That's not what she was doing. What she was hoping for was she was hoping for a George Floyd incident. And it just so happens that that happened later that day. It just didn't happen to the person she wanted it to happen to. Was, oh, was that so, the same day? That, that was the same was day. Yeah, these these are both uh, last uh, last Monday, both on oh, uh, Memorial Day. Oh wow! Again, but uh, I'm, I'm you, know, you, you know, you've asked about you know what is it like to be a um, you know a, a black man in America? Like I said, I can't tell you what it's like to be you know um, all black men, but like for me, things that I think about. Um, I'm not necessarily trying to put myself in a situation where I am with a, you know, I'm, you know, I'm with a white woman that I don't know alone when it's dark. Just, you, you just never know what's going to happen from that. I'm not necessarily trying to, uh, you know, if I, you know, it's late at night, we're on an elevator. You know, I used to, you know, you know, live in a big city. Um, you know, Columbus is a big city, but it didn't have really tall buildings. But I lived in a big city with tall buildings and, you know, I, I would make it a point to where I'm just going to let you get on the elevator by yourself. I'll catch the next one mm-hmm. because you just never know because here's what I danger. do know. Here's what I do know. No matter what the truth is. The police are going to believe the truth is whatever the white woman said. That's what I, you know, th- that's been my experience. That's what I, you know, what what I have learned, um, you know, just in, you know, in, in my time on this planet. So I try to remove myself from those situations. And those are the kind of things that I have taught, you know, to my children, more so to my nephews, because I have, you know, you know, you know, young men in my life that I care a lot about. And it's like these are things that you you have to be aware of. You you cannot put yourself in this situation. So I hear folks say things like, wow, that's gotta be so much weight. It's like, gotta, you know, it's, you know, how do you live like that? It's, it's never not been this way. This is (laughs) just, this is just what it is. It's like, you know what? It's like, um, if we were to go to, you know, to like a third world country and see how some of the folks live over there, it was just, you know, the, you know, how, how impoverished they are. Well, like, well, how, how do people live like that? Well, that's, that's what their normal is. So, you know, they adapt and you know, I'm not saying that it's nice and they like it, but it's, you know, it's, it's, it's what they do. They get by the, you know, they, they get by the way they get by for I, me. I have a great analogy to that. My my brother Grant only has one eye, lost his eye when he was four years old. And I remember when I was a little kid asking him, what's it like to not see out of your eye? And he said, what's it like to not see out of your elbow? You know, it's just you never could yeah. see out of your elbow. That 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 other reality hadn't existed for him. Right. So, so yeah, it's just to, what it is. Back to Ohio and and talk about what they tried to do. You know, we've we've got the the protests, and I don't even want to talk about the violence part at all. But the the peaceful protests that are going on, I'm trying to picture if they were successful at causing change. What what could that change look like? I mean, how would we measure whether we've we've turned a corner finally on this? I mean, do we just keep a tally of hey, fewer young black men were killed this year than last year? Woohoo! You know, I mean, yeah, it's. Uh... I honestly, I don't know. Um, you always want to hear that there's going to be a brighter side that, you know, this is, this is how things are going to be better. 
And, you know, when Chris and I were talking last week, you know, I said that, you know, I don't think that things are worse because some people are saying that, worse, you know, you know, we have the worst uh, race relations now than, we, than we've ever had. And I just remember, you know, my grandfather was born in 1906. His grandfather was born in 1855. My <laughs> grandfather's grandfather was owned by a white person. It ain't that bad for me. <laughs> I'm not owned by, you know, uh, you, feel, you know, by someone. So do you think we're making so, incremental improvement then? I mean, um, maybe it's 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 incredibly slow growth, but um, are things better now because laws have been put into place uh, that allow me to do things that my let's say that my parents and grandparents couldn't do, mm-hmm. um, you know, when they were my you know my age and younger. Um, yes, there are, you know, like, for example, um, you know, my, my all my grandparents now are passed away. My wife's grandmother is still living. She is going to be 97 this year. She can still vote. She, or she can vote. But for a significant portion of her life, she could not vote legally. She was not allowed to vote. Those well, kind of things. Don't forget, better. women got the vote way later than you did. Just saying. Well, I'm, but I'm, the, the point <laughs> so she is, had to wait even longer to vote. So she, uh, you know, she, she can vote now when there was a time in her adult life when she legally couldn't vote. Um, so are things better? It's like, yes, you can't, um, you can't just blatantly discriminate against, uh, people based on race anymore. You can implicitly do it and, you know, it happens all the time, but you can't, you know, I mean, there were times when. You couldn't get an apartment because you were you know, because you're black. You can't live here. Mm-hmm. Those things are better. Our our relationships with the police better now than you know they are they are what they are. And in, in my world, the police can pretty much execute you on the street and generally face no repercussions for doing so. Not even on um, the street um, in your bed. Um, you know, your, you know, your life is ultimately in their hands. And, you know, and, and the frustrating part is that what do you do? What do I as an African-American man do when I, you know, if I, if I react, they definitely are going to kill me. And like I said, I, I use the example of, you know, what if I'm standing there in the crowd and George Floyd is, you know, my friend, my brother, my uncle, you know, or, or, or whatever, do I do I, you know, do, do I, there's no question in my mind that if I was to rush that police officer, unless I was shot before I got to him, that I could have gotten to him and knocked him off of him. That there's no question that that's, uh, you know, could you have happen. the skill set and I the, have uh, the skill set <laughs> and the size to be able to do that. But what I don't be dead have, before, after you hit I the don't, ground, you know, I may not make it if I'm hit with bullets before I get there. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it's, that, that's, that's what happened. You know, you know, what do you do? Um, in, in, in my world, the police can kill you and there's nothing you can do to keep them from doing that. It's just, you know, how are they feeling? Even with Um, cameras on, I mean, it had to be obvious that every person there was filming that, right? I mean, that guy just um, didn't care. We saw Eric Garner get choked to death on the streets of New York. Um, was that five or six years ago? Cameras are on it. You see it happen. You hear him telling officers, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. They killed him on the street while videotapers running. They didn't even charge any of those officers, really? nor the guy who did it. Oh, I didn't know he that. Was, he was just fired five years after it happened. He lost his job. 
but he he was never charged. He was never, you know, you, you, clearly if you're not charged with anything, you're not be convicted of anything. But he killed a man on the street, and nothing happened. Nothing happened. He he lost his job five years later. So when I look at what's happening to George Floyd right now, and you know, I, you know, I don't. Uh, you know, condone any of the violence that is happening right now, um, you know, by protesters or really, if you're, if you're, if you're a protester and you're violent, but you're not protesting, you are, you, you, you know, you're rioting or, or you're looting. I don't condone any of that, but I absolutely understand it because, you know, at some point, you know, what is it going to take for you to hear me? Right. You know, what do I have to do? It's like, you know what, if, if, if you killing, um, you know, my brother on the street, in broad daylight with not one, but multiple cameras uh, catching this. Well, not only is George Floyd telling people that I, you know, don't kill me. I, you know, I can't breathe, but other people are yelling at the officers to do it. If you can do that and get away with it, then what is it going to take for me to, you know, make you hear me when I tell you that I'm not going for this anymore? Um, and, and, and that's, you know, I think that that's where a lot of just, it's just, it's not just this one incident. It's like all the incidents like this that happen and all the ones that you never hear about, because normally what happens, you'll hear that an African-American man was killed by the police, um, while resisting arrest. There's no video mm -hmm. and you've got four officers that are telling you, yeah, he was, he was really resisting. He was fighting us. And, you know, and we had, we had to use our uh, self-defense tactics uh, while he was, you know, handcuffed prone on the ground. And three of us have our knees in his back uh, shoulders and neck uh, to take him out. And most people, um, I don't want to say most people, many people would just rationalize that. Oh, well he was resisting arrest. Like somehow resisting arrest is the thing that gets you a murder sentence or, or you know, or a death warrant, uh, you know, on the street right, in right. my community that, you know, it, it can resisting arrest can get you shot because you don't have to be resisting and can be shot. Um, I was looking at, um, you know, some old footage of a gentleman who was a, uh, social worker who worked in a group home for, um, you know, folks with uh, mental, um, you know, mental disabilities. Mm -hmm. And he had one of his patients who I believe they said had the uh, the um, you know, he, he basically was working on about a two to three year old uh, level. And he had a toy truck that he was playing with. He had, you know, he basically got out of the group home, was, you know, in the street. This man went to pick him up. Somebody called and said that they saw a man, you know, with a gun and they thought that they were going to, you know, he was trying to shoot someone. The social worker is laying in the street with his hands in the air, yelling at the police. Uh, he's not armed. I'm not armed. He's mentally retarded. Please don't shoot us. A police officer shoots him in the leg right after he says this. That officer wasn't convicted of shooting this man in the street. When it's like, how can you shoot somebody that is clearly telling you not to be sh shot? And you're like, well, I didn't know. I thought he was being. I thought he was being, uh, you know, uh, threatened with a gun and he shot the wrong person. And it's just like, you know, th th those those kind of stories, they just they, they don't give me any, uh, you know, one of the things I said in my rant uh, last week was, you know, I I am rational enough to know that all police are not bad. Most police probably aren't bad. But what kind of statistics, what kind of math? are they doing in these police departments where they seemingly put all the bad police together? Right, right, because right. Like, like those four happen to be together. 
Yeah. How do you partners. get these four? You know, um, you know, Chauvin, I believe his name is Chauvin. He he's had eighteen complaints. Yeah. Um, on yeah, I wanted 18, to bring that up. Eighteen complaints. But how did you just happen to pair up three other folks who, you know, I, I don't know if they had complaints or what, uh, but they they clearly were indifferent to him killing somebody on the street. How do you how do you get to that? That's where a Is lot it of any the sign of progress that the four of them got fired, whereas Eric Garner's murder, you know, the police officer didn't get fired until five years later. Um, is it progress that they got fired and you actually have police that are coming out and saying that this was wrong? Um, yes, that, that is progress. That is different. Um, I'm looking I've heard for a many, thread of hope is yeah, what I've, I'm doing. Right? I have, I have, I've heard many people say that this one seems somehow different than before because normally police are going to, and especially the police union, um, will come out and support their officers no matter what they did. Mm-hmm. And that, uh, that does not appear to be the case. So is it different? Yeah. Do I care that that's different? No, because it didn't. The outcome is still the same. This dude is dead because police officers thought they could get away with it. And we, we don't know. They still may. Can you imagine? Just, just think of it. Chris, myself and Rod (laughs) kneel on somebody until they die. And only the one who had the knee on the neck is the one that gets charged. Can you can you imagine a world where that happens? Yeah, yeah uh, no, not not at all. I mean, they're no. they're saying that that's still open, uh, but like you say, I'm I'm fairly certain you would have been arrested on the spot. Last time I checked, um, what is necessary to arrest someone is uh, suspicion that they've done something illegal. That's that's what this you know you know what it takes. Reason um, you have to have reasonable suspicion. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like reasonable suspicion, but but I mean, you know, you'd be dead by the time you got there if they pull in a gun on you when you're 11 years old for sitting in a being in a car. That was the first time. Um, there have been many since. Really, you've had a gun pulled on you. Oh yeah, like I said, I told you about the time that I was 22. That was three. Um, this is this is something that you know. So police officers, are, you know, if, if they pull you over, they they generally going to walk up to you on, on the side. Mm-hmm. Um, what I have been told is that usually, um, if they're just coming to write you a ticket or give you a warning or something like that, they don't even take the snap off of their sidearm, mm-hmm. let alone have their hand on it. Okay. In my world, I have no memory. It's like, I'm, I'm not necessarily looking at what each officer is doing in, in real time. I'm, I'm trying to call my wife and say, Hey, I just got pulled over. Make sure, you know, that I've got the phone on and she hears it. I get to tell her I love you because I don't know how this is going to go. Um, that's right. You but, said that's what you but, do. But the first almost, thing you do is call her, right? And tell her you love thing her. I do. First thing I do, hey, I'm getting pulled over. And she'll she'll stop whatever she's doing and sit there and just listen, um, you know, to, to make sure everything's okay. And then, you know, um, every time in my situation, I have clearly I've been released. I've not had, uh, you know, any issues to where I have been detained longer than, you know, of, you know, well, that's not true. I have been detained once for a few hours, um, because I met a description. Um, and I was in the black and male and between 15 and 30 and yeah, between yeah, five, and, five and six foot. But, but that, that was one time in my, uh, you know, in my life that I actually, you know, have been detained, you know, two, you know, two times in my life, like, you know, they say, you know, that, you know, when you hear stop and frisk, you only think New York. 
I think they just perfected it there, but that's not mm-hmm. the only place that that happens. It was official policy. Um, it was official policy there. But, uh, you know, I've had that happen to me, uh, particularly when I was in college on multiple occasions. And on two of those occasions, um, you know, I called it getting mugged. You, I think you corrected me and said, no, you were robbed because the money that was on me before the encounter was no longer on me after the encounter. And, and hang and on, who mugged, who, who robbed you? Police officer. Yeah. Um, I can even tell you their names um, and badge numbers. I'm not going to do that, but I, I could tell you they're seared in my memory. Wow. So um, twice. Yeah, I just corrected you. Unless it was under assault or threat of violence. Oh, there's a gun pointed at you. Oh, okay. Never mind. You were mugged. So they took your <laughs> your your wallet in order to get your identification, but when you got the well, wallet back, it was empty. One one of them wasn't as bad as the other because I had like forty one dollars and twenty two cents, and he left me with the dollar twenty two. He just took the two twenties. <laughs> <laughs> the other one actually took the sixty three dollars that I had on me. Because Didn't he leave you the three dollars. He, he rationalized that I was only using that to go buy weed. What was I doing in that neighborhood? Did he say uh, that? Was, well, yeah. Oh, he told you he was taking the money. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so what do you it's, do? It's do you like go you live and file in a different a planet from me? File a complaint? No, because now you're dealing with the police. It's my word against theirs. Right, 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 right. There's right. no body cams. Well, even if you um, had a body cam, I don't think they believe so, you. Um, you know, you would. Well, I do. I know many people who have told me, and I have no reason not to believe them because I know them personally. That you know, police have planted evidence on them. Um, you know, and it's like, you know, you know, body cams are relatively a new thing. This was happening to me back in, you know, in the late eighties, early nineties. So, um, you, you don't, you don't want those kind of problems. It was just, you know, it was just $40. It was just $63. The yeah. $63 worth having to go deal with the police and have to deal with that dude again and see him no again. Chance. Yeah. Do you think the body cameras are going to, can that help bring positive change or people more accountable? If <laughs> they turn them on. Oh yeah, uh, who, which murder was it that they didn't have Mon? Um, Louisville. So in Louisville, um, last week, um, or, or I guess it was actually, yeah, this was, this was last week. Um, a or over the weekend, um, there is a barbecue guy. I'm sorry, I can't think of his name right now, but uh, I guess he got caught in the crossfire between um, police and protesters. All the all the protesters are saying, we don't know who, uh, you know, was shooting at the police, but clearly the police were just firing off bullets into, you know, into the crowd and he was hit and killed. Um, those police officers don't have their body cams turned on. There was, uh, David uh, McCatty. Is that his name? David McCatty? Um, Allison, I'm not looking right now. I can't, I cannot tell you his name. I just know he was, he was known as the barbecue man. Um, and he was, he was literally feeding protesters. And was killed, but I do believe that the officers did not have their uh, body cams turned on. So I know that, like the the uh, the I guess the uh, chief of police in Louisville has now you know saying that you you must have these things turned on. He was fired, but yeah, the so, police chief in in Louisville yeah. was fired after they didn't have their body cameras on. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's good, I guess. Man, it's, <sighs> it's good that they're fired, but this man is dead, and they don't have the video evidence to see what happened. So of course, you know, well, we don't know who, you know, what bullet hit, you know, it, it could, it could have been someone else. 
we'll we'll eventually figure that out. But yeah. like I said, I you know, Allison, like I said, I I don't want to um, allow my experience to you know paint you know all police. It's just my experience that I have not had good experiences, you know, with the police. I had somebody tell me once, I was like, well, you haven't been killed, so clearly they weren't that bad. It's like, that's that's the measure? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, 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 that's, well, that's how we measure the experience. Well, I, have, I was, I was going to say that. So I, I just pulled up a uh, chart, uh, thing called mappingpoliceviolence.org, and it's mapping number of deaths at the hands of the police. And 1,099 people were killed in 2019. Um, if you're African-American, you were three times more likely to be shot by a police officer than if you were uh, white. Um, so the number of people actually shot and killed by police is not a huge number, but even if you could say, well, Hey, it's not a big number. A hundred percent of you are scared of it all the time. Every day you go out of the house, you're thinking about it. Um, yeah, that's that's terrorism, right? Isn't that the definition of terrorism? You do things that, that to a few people that make you afraid for everybody. You could call it that for, you know, uh, all I know is that I never want to deal with the police for any reason ever. Uh, one of my best friends, um, his mother is a, or actually his sister is a former police officer. His mother-in-law is a police officer. I love, uh, you know, his mother-in-law to death. I just saw her yesterday. Um, but if I don't know you, and this is not a black or a white or a Hispanic thing, it is a you have a uniform and a badge thing on. If I don't know you and you have that uniform on, I personally am not trying to deal with you under any circumstance. And, you know, I've said this before. I, you know, I don't want my daughters to be like this. I do not want to pass this down. But if you are a police officer and you ask me a question, the only response you're getting from me is, am I being detained? Because if mm. you tell me no, I'm walking away from you. I'm not dealing with you on any level. Mm. Um, no, no, clearly this is not the case. If, you know, if you're, if you're pulling me over in a car, I have no choice but to deal with you. Mm. But, you know, I, I'm not dealing with a bleep. You know, did you see what happened? No. Are, am I being detained? I, I don't even tell you no if I saw anything. It's like, am I being detained? Mm. If the answer to that question is no. I am walking away from you probably the first six or seven steps. I'm walking backwards facing you because I just don't trust you that much. Wow. That is that is my experience with the police. Well, I don't... that is like I said, I'm not going to talk for all African-Americans and definitely not all, all African-American men. That is my experience. And I think that I could say that, that is Chris Ashley's experience as well. Yeah. So. I don't really know how to close this out. Um, I guess I can only say that I hope that the awareness that's being spread right now, that maybe there will be people who can make positive change in the police departments. Maybe there will be, maybe we can talk in a decade and you'll say, yeah, it's not as bad as it was. This is how things get better. Um, There aren't things that, african-americans solely can do to make this better we can't just keep marching we can't just keep having protests we can't just keep doing this it's going to take you know white folks it's going to take you know uh you know my white peers out here 
that are seeing this to, to number one, believe it when we are telling you what is happening. Are there, are, are there, you know, black criminals? Yes, there are. But you can't just assume that what you see on television and portrayal of black people on TV is how everybody is. Um, you know, we've talked about this when you've been on the show, Chris, Rod and I from the SMR podcast, we're, we're all kind of unicorns where we're all executives and, you know, big giant software companies. Mm -hmm. You don't see that every day, but you see it a lot more than you might think. It's like, you know, it's everyone, you know, it is, it is not the wire. Everyone is not living like the wild. I don't know if you've ever seen that show. No, it is no. arguably one of the best shows ever. But it's like you know, all people are not living like it's like they're in Baltimore um, in the nineties. That that is that is not how life is for most black people. But you know, for a lot of black people, the way that the police deal with us, it is just different than how they deal with you. And what we want is just to not be treated different. You know, what I want is that if I you know, am accused of passing a bad $20 bill. I want you to, if you need to arrest me, arrest me, maybe take me to Burger King and get me something to eat before you take <laughs> me down and book me. That's what I want. What I don't want is that you think that I passed a bad $20 bill and I somehow end up dead on the street because you've asphyxiated me. Basically you, you executed me on the street. You lynched me on the street in front of people because it's happened so many times and really nothing has come of it that you think that you're going to get away with it as well. Until that changes, um, you know, people like me aren't going to feel any different. And it can't just be people like me saying it. It has to be people like you saying it. And I think that, you know, what you're doing by having me on the show to talk about this is going a long way to that because you might have someone in your audience who's saying, well, you know, I've heard Rob before. I've never heard him say this, though. Maybe I need to listen to what he's saying. And, you know, maybe what well, you want, maybe, maybe that guy wasn't doing anything wrong. Maybe the police were doing something wrong. Yeah, I, I, I hope so. Um, I, it's just a tiny little, tiny little step we're taking here, but if enough people are doing it, um, we should mention, um, I'll be mentioning on my show as well, but, uh, Tom Merritt took a, a day off from broadcasting the news and played for DTNS the um just some african americans talking like what we're doing here and uh, and one some of the quotes were rob and chris talking on uh, on the smr podcast but i appreciate you coming on i i'm sure this isn't easy to talk about and i appreciate you sharing your experiences and and uh um thanks so i appreciate you having me on but i just want to tell you something what you just said this is not easy to talk about Allison, it actually is really easy for me to talk about. What is not mm. easy is for a lot of people, a lot of white people in particular, to hear it. Mm. It because it's like this is my everyday. Um, this particular incident really got to me and upset me. But you know, this is not hard to talk about. It's just it's it's hard to talk about to people who aren't willing to listen. Mm. 